If you were paying attention to the gospel, which I assume you all were, it is impossible, I think, to not be sobered by what we just heard. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that it is going to be tough. It is going, if you want to be his disciple, it is going to be tough. If you're living it correctly, it should be tough. In a particular way, it's tough on many levels, but in a particular way, he addresses this morning the level that has to do with the opposition of the world. A priest friend uh, told me a story about his days in seminary when he was over in Rome. He had a good friend that was studying with him who was from Bosnia. And he went home, this seminary went home to Bosnia for Christmas break to visit his friends and family. While he was home, he was abducted by Muslim extremists. And when he was faced with this challenge, renounce your faith in Jesus or die like him, he refused to deny his Savior. And they nailed him to the floor as a crucifixion. This is in 1993. <clears throat> Stuff is still going on. But I think that there's a more serious martyrdom going on. Because that's, that's, that's what we call the, the red martyrdom of blood. But I think there's a much more difficult martyrdom happening right now. To simply, you guys, to simply live your faith and to stand up for what you believe in, in the day and age that we live in, takes a martyr's heart. Just to stand up and say, no, I don't agree with that, and here's why. And because of that, this is an extraordinary time to be a Christian. Extraordinary because the gospel is preached everywhere and understood nowhere. I was uh, flipping through the channels, and I, I caught this. Don't judge me here, but I caught this. It was a preview for a show apparently on MTV called Florida Bama Shore, which as far as I can tell is a reality TV show. But in the preview, I was shocked because often the media will show us the culture. It shows them fighting, like fist fighting, getting drunk, promiscuous as all get out. Like, breaking stuff, getting arrested, kicked out of clubs. And then it shows them all holding hands around the table saying, Lord Jesus, we love you and keep us a family. And then they go and do it again. That's not Christianity. That's, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to, and then I'm just going to pray to make myself feel better about myself, and then go on living the way that I want. That's not a witness to Christ. That's not Christianity. And I think there is right now three places of martyrdom that we as a church must undergo to be real Christians, to be real martyrs. And the first one has to just simply to do with faith. Just having faith, being a believer in our day and age is seen as you are unenlightened, unintelligent. There's kind of these two groups, the believers and the thinkers. Right? Science and religion. Believers dumb. Science thinkers smart. And we need to shatter this misconception. 
And we will do this to the ability that you and I can explain that we don't just believe, but we think and rationally know that Jesus is real and needed. Because let's be honest, Catholics of all the Christian denominations are constantly accused of having terrible knowledge of their faith, specifically terrible knowledge of the Bible. We must be able to show people there are reasons to believe, not just just that it makes us feel good or that I don't want to go to hell. No, no, no. There are effective reasons, rational reasons that we believe. And we should show people that some of the smartest people to ever live were believers. Listen to this list. Newton, Copernicus, Pasteur, Mendel, Boyle, Kepler, Aquinas, Lewis, Augustine, Tolkien, Newman. I could go on and on and on. These were some of the smartest people to ever live. Even Einstein, who the atheistic community champions, he said this, religion without science is blindness. And science without religion is sheer paralysis. So to help you, you get homework this week. To help you at each of the exits, I put a list of books. Very, very good books, good reads that you can just pick one at a time and read through it and start to learn. And there's this other thing, okay? I didn't put it on on the sheet, but it's this thing called the internet. Bear with me. And we have a program called formed.org. And you can go on there and watch Bible series. You can watch talks on morality. You can and learn why we believe what we believe. In my confirmation class that I teach these kids, I am so sick of them not knowing why we believe what we believe. They don't know. Do you? Because if we can't give a good witness, we'll never convince the world about Jesus. Second, the second martyrdom is in regards to the dignity of the human person. We have to stand up no matter where we are or who we're around. For the right to life, for anything that is against the human person, from pornography and contraception to euthanasia. We must be vocal. Here's another thing that I hate about the modern world. They say, oh, you can be, go ahead, practice your faith, but shut your mouth. It's a private thing. Christianity has never been a private thing. Ever. We influence culture. Culture doesn't change us. Third, witness or martyrdom is in the area of marriage. As you and I both know, marriage has seemingly been redefined in our lifetime. And we need to do everything we can. And I will say particularly, we are going to convince people of the beauty of the sacrament of marriage simply by doing one thing. Live your marriage well. You do that. And people who have been you know, divorced once, twice, three times, are in terrible relationships, whatever it is, they're going to look and say, I want what you have. What do you have? Well, I have the faith. I have Christ at the center of my marriage. And then they're going to want that. And it is important, you guys, to realize, I think this is one of the hardest arguments for us to win because God's idea right now of marriage is bigoted. Not ours, his. One man, one woman, in the modern day and age, is, that's too much. 
And you can't defend this in just a soundbite, which is all the secular world has time for. And so I am convinced that how we will witness to the dignity of the sacrament of marriage is living it well. Finally, the one thing that Jesus says very clearly today about all the wars and insurrections and famines and plagues and all that's coming, and it will come, is he says, what you must have above all things is perseverance. That you just don't give up. By your perseverance, you will save your lives. And we can't get tired. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the weight of the situation of the church right now. It's heavy. A lot of people are leaving. A lot of people don't trust the hierarchy of the church. And you can't blame them. But I believe that we are living in one of the most powerful times of the church that has ever existed. 60 years ago, 70 years ago, it was easy to be Catholic. Everybody was. Now there's a battle line drawn in the sand and you have to choose it. And you have to choose it every day. And you have to work at it. Otherwise, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. Now is the hour of testing to see who really will stand with him and fight. I get accused a lot of the times of quoting the Lord of the Rings. I told Deacon Bob I'm going to try to go for like a record number of quotes from Lord of the Rings this year. Because you know this is the last Sunday of the church, or next Sunday is the last Sunday of the church year. Our feast of Jesus, King of the universe, and then we go into Advent, which is the new church year. But in the Lord of the Rings, and if you haven't seen it, or your kids haven't seen it, you're terrible. (laughs) Because you guys, everything you need to know about life is in those movies, in those books about faith, about grace, sin, virtue, love. It's all there. And one of my favorite scenes is in the second movie, The Twin Towers, or the second book. It's a snapshot right now of the church. It's the battle for Helm's Deep. They've seemingly lost the battle. They are stuck in the very top of the castle. The orcs and goblins, and that's what makes it great too. They all look like demons, you know? They're, you know, breaking down the door and King Theoden is sitting and he says, the fortress, the fortress is taken. It's over. And Aragon, who is a symbol of Jesus in the movie, he says, you said this fortress would hold as you defended it and your men defended it and they died for it. You think about the church? How many have gone before us to defend this and died for this? And Theoden, it's over. We've lost. And then he looks and he says, so much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? And Aragon looks at him and says, ride out with me. Ride out and meet him. There's only a handful of men and he wants to take on an entire army. Insurmountable odds. No chance of victory in the the eyes of the world. And Theoden looks at him and he says, for death and glory. And Aragon says, no, for your people. And then King Theoden said, let this be the hour when we draw swords together. And that should be our line. This is the hour where we draw swords together. Because if we're, if we're united, we take on the world. That's what the church has always done. We're divided, we lose. And we don't do it for death and glory. We do it for our people, for our families, for our friends. 
for the world itself. Christ, I believe, right now is summoning an army. And he asks all of us to answer his call, to lay down our life, our careers, our reputations, our little kingdoms, so that others can be saved, so that others can be converted. Will you and I, will we ride out with him against insurmountable odds, against a world that is, looks like a massive juggernaut that can't, you can't even take it on? Will you ride? Will you fight? And will you witness to the gospel message through your life? That will be the greatest battle of your life.